And welcome to Wednesday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live. I'm Paul Dottino. He is Super Bowl champion Jeff Fiegels. So glad you could join us today, and we'll be here for the next hour to talk New York Giants football as well as Giants-related issues around the NFL. Again, our phone number is 973-667-1960. That's 973-667-1960. We'll be here live for the next hour to, uh, again, talk Giants football. Now, you can always hit us up, if not over the phone and the live Giants phone app or at Giants.com, where the number is. You can go to Giants.com slash podcasts slash questions, or you can go hashtag Giants chat on Twitter. And, of course, the four rotating hosts that we have on the program, myself is at Giants WFAN. Jeff is at Jay Fiegels, and then there's at Schmelk and at Lance Meadow. Jeff, how's that muffin this morning? <laughs> no muffin, man. That's too no much. Muffin? No, no, we can't, do, we can't do carbs like that. You know. All right, I thought you. I, I thought I got you caught there between no, I'm uh, a, bites. No, I'm I'm uh, all no carb, <laughs> uh, all eggs, and you know whatever. It was good. Had a good walk in, and uh, just glad to be glad to be back live again. It's, it's awesome. I mean, John and I did a show yesterday. It was a lot of fun, and listened to a couple of our comrades that always call us up every once in a while, and good to hear their voices. And it's just great to be back. Well, you know, I had a uh, a fan tweet me just the other day, and I guess he missed our first live show back on Monday here mm-hmm. on Giants.com. And he actually, look, I, Charlie's got a big enough head. I don't think he really needs this. But, but the fan tweeted me, great to hear that you're back live. Wonder if your first call will be Charlie. Be safe and be well. <laughs> and, of course, Charlie did get on our first live show back on the site on Monday. Well, he was back yesterday, too. Was he? Yeah. He's trying to be a regular again. <laughs> well, crawl- look, I'm, he, I'm just glad he's healthy and well, and he's able to call us up and have some conversation. Once again, folks, it's 973-667-1960 if you'd like to talk some Giants football with myself, Paul Dottino, and Jeff Fiegels. Now, Jeff, there are a couple of news items that have come out over the course of the last 24 hours or so on some of the national websites. And there was one that I did want to touch on before we got to the phone calls because I thought it was a very interesting one. And it came uh, via ESPN. And they went through, over the last several days, some rankings of how teams off-seasons had unfolded. They Mm -hmm. will continue to do so, I believe, for the next day or two. They ranked the Giants as the number 14th best offseason of the 32 teams in the NFL. Now, I could care less about the rankings. That's not why I brought this up. I did bring it up because I wanted your take on what they thought the positives were and what the negatives were and what the Giants might might still try to do before the season starts. Okay, you ready? Yeah. All right, here we go. So what went right? The guy says the Giants needed a lot in this offseason, and Dave Gettleman addressed many concerns. They added Bradbury from Carolina, Blake Martinez from Green Bay, so they got some help on the defensive side of the ball. They went and got Andrew Jones with the number four pick in the draft. Andrew the guy Thomas. loves that. I don't, I don't know. I guess I guess uh, mm. we probably should tell, tell uh, everybody, the gentleman who wrote this article, it's Bill Barnwell uh, of ESPN. I, you know, guy's been around a, a number of years and has written about the NFL for quite a long time. He also says, uh, remains to be seen whether Joe Judge will be up to the task as a first-time head coach. 
does say that he believes Garrett, Jason Garrett, was one of the league's most promising play callers at one time and certainly believes that he could do the same for the Giants. So those were the good things that he cited. Is there anything else that caught your eye as something really good that they did that he may have missed? Um, no, I, I think that, you know, areas of concern, they were addressed other than the edge rusher. But I think, you know, in a, in a, in a whole, I think that's, it's, it, they're spot on. I think if, if we didn't have this article, Paul, we probably could come up with the same things that are mentioned in this, in this little blurb right here. All right. He says, now what went wrong? Bradbury <laughs> and Martinez both signed expensive deals. Doesn't necessarily know if the value met the price. Uh, says they haven't been able to add Marcus Golden, uh, the one pass rusher who was effective last season, and only added Kyler Fackrell, a guy who had one 10-sack season a couple of years ago but has never shown any other seasons with a significant pass rush. Mm-hmm. He mentions Gettleman placing the franchise tag on Leonard Williams. He says, in his words, doubling down on the inexplicable trade that was made to acquire Williams, look, you and I are both Leonard Williams fans. We both believe that was a good trade. So, quite frankly, there's no way we're going to see eye-to-eye on any type of criticism on Leonard Williams, the price the Giants paid, or exactly what his future holds. I will say this about Leonard Williams, and I'll, I'll just make this comment before I turn it over to you about uh, the, the criticisms, and that is we won't really know if Leonard Williams proved out to be the right move until he actually gets a chance to do something for the Giants. Mm-hmm. Last year, he was only here for about a month and a half, getting used to the system. Obviously, the Giants had a lot of trouble with the scheme they were running. Players were, were, were really having a difficult time implementing what was going on. And I basically think that it's unfair to grade anybody, especially a newcomer, on some of the problems that went down last year. In some cases, guys just didn't have enough ability. In other cases, there were other things that went wrong. I think you need to see Leonard Williams with a full season under his belt with the Giants this year in a prove-it situation, which he may be if the tag sticks, or if they wind up giving him a long-term deal, then we're not going to really know for another year or two in terms of what he does on the field. He, what, what if he gets nine sacks like he did with the Jets in his second year in the NFL and goes to the Pro Bowl? Do mm-hmm. you think anybody's going to be crying about it then? No, 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 certainly nobody will be writing about it being a mistake and what went wrong. Um, I, I feel, you know, I think that's what has to happen here. I think the biggest elephant in the room, if you will, is the draft pick situation. That That's the one that really irked a lot of people. I don't think it was so much of his play, because I think we all know he's capable of having a good season again. It's just those draft picks, they're, you know, they're, they're held in high um, form, and I, I just feel like that's what kind of everybody got, got stirred up about. Now, Marcus Golden, uh, they haven't been able to sign him, but Putting that that special tag on him gives them a better chance of maybe trying to get him to sign, you know, after that deadline. So we'll see what happens there. But I think that both of those guys, Marcus Golden and Kyler Fackrell, both have overachieved to a point. Now let's kind of see if they can do it again if they if Marcus Golden gets re-signed, right? I mean, both those guys had ten and a half sacks at one point in their career. Can they do it again? Actually, Marcus Golden had twelve sacks one year. Well, I, I think, think that the, was in 16, wasn't it? Right. 2016, he had 12 sacks? Well, before the ACL went. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But, you know, back to Leonard Williams. Um, it's going to be interesting to see where Patrick Graham lines him up. 
whether he's going to be inside, outside, or both. I think that it's probably going to be both. Um, and can he get after the passer? Because right now, what went wrong in this article, I'm with them as far as not addressing the edge rusher. And so we'll see what happens with Leonard Williams, and hopefully he can get those nine sacks again. Now, just as a point of conversation, and I'm not one who believes that fate necessarily stays the same if you change one little part of the equation. So let me make this very clear. I understand this is not necessarily an argument or a case. It's just a point of conversation. With the third-round pick that the Giants would have had, the Jets selected safety Ashton Davis out of California. Now, I don't have any reason to believe that he's going to be a star player, but that's beside the point. The Giants wound up getting Xavier McKinney at the top of the second round, so they certainly would have had no interest in drafting Ashton Davis in the third round, correct? Mm-hmm. Okay. So whatever Ashton Davis does for the Jets, fine. He's not a guy that the Giants would have taken anyway. As it turned out, because of the third-round compensatory pick, which they knew they were going to have, they wound up taking Matt Parrott, who they hope is going to be one of their starting offensive tackles for years to come, out of UConn at the bottom of the third round. I would say to you that if the Giants knew, if Dave Gettleman knew he was not going to have that compensatory third-round pick and would have had to go all the way from the second round to the fourth round without a draft choice, he may have been more reluctant to make the deal with the Jets that he made. But he knew he was going to get a pick in the third round. And as far as I think we are all concerned right now, After initial inspection, he made a terrific pick at a need and a guy who projects to be somebody who should be able to help this team for a lot of years to come. Now, if you're going to say to me, well, they could have picked a better offensive tackle, you know, had they maintained their pick at number four in the third round. Well, yeah, they could have gotten Josh Jones, who went in the eighth pick of the third round to the Arizona Cardinals. But then if you look at the rest of the third round, where, where where's the other tackles? Uh, Nyang, who's got injury trouble with the hip, went pick number 32 in the round to TCU, and then the Giants took Parrott at number 35 in the round. So my point being, okay, is that the Giants really got the guys that they targeted at the positions that they wanted to anyway. Mm-hmm. And so that pick... In the third round, at the moment, it doesn't look like it really hampered their plans to move forward, does it? No, you make a great point. You really do. I, I just feel like, you know, um, I, you know, Leonard Williams is a guy that you need. It's a need. You needed. You needed him. You need him going forward. So, you know, and and Matt Pert. Listen, the guy. The guy can play hopefully, and he's. We'll see. This all depends on how these guys all iron out. If Leonard Williams comes and has ten sacks. And Matt Perk gets in the starting lineup, um, and the safety for the Jets is a flop, then it all works out, Paul. <laughs> well, and I would say this, just to, to add a little bit more to the conversation, the other defensive linemen who were taken in the vicinity of the high third round, Justin Matabuike, the defensive tackle from Texas A&M, went the seventh pick in the third round to the Baltimore Ravens, and Davon Hamilton, defensive tackle from Ohio State, went in the ninth pick of the third round to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, anybody who's going to suggest to me that, they're that better. the Giants yeah. did not get better value at the defensive line spot over those two rookies is yeah. out of their minds. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. Um, you know, and again, I think that you had you said earlier. So this is a one-year deal, um, sixteen point two million, and um, you know maybe he. I know he's he's filed a grievance to try to get that one point seven million more as an edge rusher. We'll see what happens there. But bottom line, the Giants had the money to do it, and uh, now they're going to have to see if he can come and 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 put up the numbers that we need him to do. All right. Now I want to go through the rest of this comment here uh, because uh, let's face it. You know, there, there's more to say. The guy says, what could they have done differently? Well, letting Williams leave, he says, would have been embarrassing given the original trade because the Giants did trade some picks for him. Mm -hmm. But then he goes on to say, well, you know, maybe they could have just let him go and they would have gotten the money back and then used it on the top end of free agency. And he says maybe they could have saved the money and signed Jadavion Clowney, a more talented player at their most obvious weakness. Well, see, here's where I really, and I mean really, have a serious problem with that. Um, Jadavion Clowney, you could, as Charlie likes to say all the time, he likes to give crazy nicknames to guys. Um, (laughs) Jadavion Clowney could easily be called Mr. Underachiever, Mr. Often Injured, Mr. No Way You're Going to Get the Value Out of Him That You Pay For. Because, by the way, Jadavian Clowney has never had more than nine and a half sacks in a single season. And since he was drafted by Houston in 2014, has only played 16 games once. And for a gentleman who, as I understand it, now again, we know some of these reports are a little bit off, was going to try to become one of the highest paid defensive players in the game, if not the highest paid defensive player of the game, to me... That would have been a horrible mistake to give Jadavion Clowney whatever his demands were with his track record of insufficient production for the dollar. PPD, right? Production per dollar, as John Schmuck likes to say, and I love it. It's a great abbreviation. His PPD is terrible. His, his ability to stay on the field, not very good. That would have been the big mistake. The big mistake was not giving the money to Leonard Williams. The bigger mistake would have been bringing in Jadavion Clowney. The smarter play was to give the money to Leonard Williams because he plays more. Uh, Jadavion Clowney is on Durability, the street. A big, a big deal, Jeff. You're and absolutely right. And Clowney is still on the street because of the reasons that you have mentioned. So, you know, we'll see. He's going to play somewhere, but he's going to be discounted um, because of what the, a lot of the stuff that you said. And so, um, you know, Williams is a guy that is more has more productive. He's 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 more he's more reliable. Like that's the word we're looking for. You want players that are going to play. You know, they're going to make you're going to give them the money. Um, but here's the other thing too: the Giants, they have gotten a little bit cap fiscally correct, right? I mean, they just they want to make sure that they don't get in cap hell going forward by going out and dishing all this money to a guy that may not play 10 games for you every year. They're not going to do it. They didn't. I mean, they did it with Solder a few years ago out of a need. They just, they had to, they had to overpay for him because they needed a left tackle, but they certainly were not going to go out and overpay Jadavion Clowney to come in here and, and not play all 16 games. And, and like you said, he's only, he's never had more than nine and a half sacks. I mean, come yeah. on. Yeah, I mean, Williams. I, I should I should uh, 
correct my number, he had seven sacks when he was an, a, a Pro Bowl player with the Jets his second season. He didn't have nine. He had seven. Seven. Uh, so I, need, okay, I do well, need correct Well, maybe that. he yeah, can but, get but nine Clowney, this year. Yeah, and, and Clowney's career high is nine and a half. Yeah. So well, you, 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 you tell me. You listen, I, I'm okay. The nine and a half sacks are great, but to me, it's more of what I'm going to get out of the player that I'm going to spend a lot of money on. I just don't want. I don't want another Olivia Vernon where he, you know, he's. I pay him all this money, and then all of a sudden, it's kind of funny because you know Olivia Vernon before he got to the Giants, he played a lot of football. He didn't get hurt a lot, and then all of a sudden he gets here, and I mean, he can't stay on the field. Good player, but never. I want somebody that's, that's going to be reliable. That I know that on Sunday, on that flip card, I don't have to scratch his name off. Now, can I give you one other number? Yeah. Did you know that since Leonard Williams was drafted in 2015, he's got 101 career quarterback hits, and since mm-hmm. that time, that ranks him in the top 10 sure. amongst NFL defensive linemen. And by well, the way, since 2015 and Leonard Williams came into the league, Jadavion Clowney has 80 quarterback mm-hmm. hits. Yeah. 21 less quarterback hits than Leonard Williams. Mm. 21 less. Yeah. Hey, and, you know, you know I'm a big fan of Sean Spencer. Let's see what Sean Spencer gets out of Leonard Williams. Trust yeah. me. And, and, and by the way, let, let's also make it very clear, okay, career because Clowney only played four games as a rookie and had no quarterback hits in those four games. He's got 80 quarterback hits in 75 games. Leonard Williams has 101 quarterback hits in 79 games. So four games more, and he's got 21 more quarterback hits. You want to talk about PPD? (laughs) Seriously. Ask John if you want to talk about PPD. Well, again, I love the abbreviation. John came up with it. It's one of the best football abbreviations I think I've ever heard of, certainly Whoa, since easy. the salary cap, salary cap era, without a doubt. <laughs> and, and I, you know, come on. Let, let's get real here. So I'm sorry, but uh, to, uh, to our ESPN uh, media cohort who uh, wants to throw that on his complaint pile, uh, I totally dismiss it. Sure. Uh, last, he says, what's left to do? Bring back Marcus Golden. And uh, obviously, we understand that there's a tag on Golden, and there is a one-year tender that uh, you know he is certainly welcome to b- come back and play for if he doesn't join another team before July 22nd. And it's about half of what he thought he was going to get, probably. Right? We're talking. Well, we, were, it, we were thinking it, it, he it was going to get ten. It is a one-year, $5.3 million deal, yeah, and for for a guy who had double-digit sacks last year. Uh, you know, I'm sure he was hoping to do better on the open sure. market. But for whatever the reason, Jeff, the, the, the phone lines were not burning up for him. And I'm not yeah. sure why, because he had over 70 tackles, uh, had over, I think, two dozen hit uh, quarterback hits. I mean, the, the, guy's, the guy's a player, and he plays both the run and the pass. He's a yeah. good player. He is a good player. He's, you know, like he's not a sexy player. He's not a guy that's, you know – it's on the on the cover of Madden. You know, he just gets his job done. And I talked about him yesterday on the show. He's a guy that fits the Joe Judge mold. Comes to work every day, right? Good in the locker room. Practices hard. Plays hard. Smart. Never gets in trouble. That's your mm-hmm. guy. That's yeah. your guy. 
But they could be great for this locker room. Now, the question is, is he a scheme fit with the roster the way it's configured? Because well, fact role is kind of supposed to be okay. golden 2.0, is he not? Yeah, I agree. So this remind, then, then this comes up with me. Did they do it because they want the pick? Or did they do it because they want him back? Well, with the kind of free agency spending that the Giants underwent this past offseason, if Golden were to sign somebody else, uh, they're, they're not going to be getting a compensatory pick in the equation. But sure, the team is eligible for the compensatory pick if Golden signs elsewhere, right? Well, he would go into the equation for the compensatory. Yeah. The problem, the problem oh, okay. is. Okay, I get you what you're saying. He's, the he's, eligible, is, he's eligible for the pick. But you know what? Gettleman knew they, they he was They signed getting, a but, dozen guys. Yeah, but. <laughs> I mean, there's no way the equation's going to give the Giants a I compensatory next I, year. I understand now, yes. That does make sense. Okay, so I retract that. Yes, you're right. So, uh, All right. But, we've got, we're going to get to our phone calls. 973-667-1960. 973-667-1960. Here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. We go to line one. Matt is in Hoboken, and you are first on the program today. Welcome. Hi, Matt. Hey, Jeff and Paul. Exciting talking to you guys. Well, thank Good you. Good to have you. Appreciate your time. Thanks for calling. Thank you. One of my favorite things across every uh, sports offseason is finding out that a player is now in the best shape of their life. So this is a two-part question. Uh, number one, excited about how Joe, Joe Judge's uh, staff is tailoring things to, to the strengths of each player. Um, but is the strength and conditioning coach asking each player what kind of tools and what kind of weights that they or access to gyms they have at their disposal and then kind of developing a plan for them there? Mm-hmm. And then part two, uh, this is more for Jeff, but I'd rather ask Steve Weatherford this. What's the difference between an NFL gym and a high-level public gym? <laughs> Come on, you don't think I can answer that? I mean, I know I can answer that. You'd rather ask me that. So, <laughs> uh, Well, first of all, I do know this. Um, the, the, and, Paul, I'll just chime in here real quick. So, no, um, please. Everybody, you're, the, the question is that not everybody has access to gyms anywhere because the gyms are all closed um so then it comes back to do you have a home gym or where can you go to work out those types of things right so the answer is yes um he has called and has met with all the players and find out what they have so they they will make up these workouts according to what type of you know uh, equipment that you have if you only have bands and um, stuff like that, then you can get a workout in with those types of bands and medicine balls, things like that. You don't have to have a weight bench and things like that. But if you do have a full weight room where you're able to do things, then you'll have a, a workout that's, that's curtailed for you. So each one of those people are different, to answer your first question. And the difference between a pro weight room and a, and a uh, public weight room, um, number one, there's a lot more weight in the in the, in the Giants weight room than there is in the public one. The other thing is um, the platform. There's a lot bigger space to work out, um, and that and also you have your trainers that are there that are specific to each one of the players' needs. You know, so and you have those in regular gyms, but um, there's just a lot more specific exercises that the pros use. Um, where sometimes in the gyms, you know, you're there for 30 minutes and you're out, you know, so, um, but the, the equipment, there's some gyms that have the free weights and there's some gyms that um, have all machines. The Giants have mainly all free weights. They don't have a lot of machines. 
other than like a neck machine or a leg press machine. All the other stuff is like Olympic weight weightlifting stuff. So there you go. All right. Thank you very much, guys. You're Thank welcome. You. It was a good Thanks question. Thanks for the call, Matt. 973-667-1960 is our number here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. You could always hit us up at hashtag Giants Chat on Twitter. Uh, also at Giants.com slash podcasts slash BBK questions. Now, Jeff, uh, as an offshoot to the question from Matt, mm-hmm. uh, is it not true, though, that those strength and conditioning guys and the trainers will always give some type of blueprint or foundation of a plan to guys when they leave for the offseason so they do have some direction? It's not like they're out there on their own just trying to keep in shape and not having any idea what it is they're supposed to be doing. Well, yeah, but I mean, normally in a in, in a normal circumstance here, you know, when the guys leave for the offseason, um, they have the ability to go to a gym where there's machines and, and weights. So now with with all the gyms being closed, you you know, you can't do that. So uh, you have a written plan and you try to keep keep it to as much as you can as from a standpoint of week one, week two and all the way to week 16 in the offseason, you, you start to build. You have peaks. You build up. And then you come down. Then you build up, and then you come down. And these are all built around your mini camps and OTAs and things in right. a normal schedule. Well, I guess um, what I'm asking, Jeff, is don't the strength and conditioning guys talk to each individual player and say, "Listen, this is what we think we need you to do to 100%. get in the best shape you can." And they also consider what the guy has access to. I mean, wouldn't wouldn't the strength and conditioning coach say to let's say Saquon Barkley, "Look, Saquon." And I know this is different now because we've got the virus and so many things are closed. But go to Saquon at the end of the season and say, listen, do you have access to a gym? Do you have access to these kinds of things and the pieces of equipment? And let's say a player like Nick Gates, who, you know, doesn't have that big of a contract. If he doesn't have access to certain types of equipment, wouldn't that be part of the consideration in his instructions? Yes. Yes, to a point. Remember this. Um, the off-season workout starts in April. So part of the plan for players in the NFL is, you know, they need time off. So, yeah, they're working out, but they're not doing it as much as you think they are as far as, like, heavy lifting, things like that, unless you're a lineman or something like that. Right. But, you know, they're giving their body a little bit of time to recover, you know, a good six weeks after the season is over. So we're talking about the middle of February, maybe the 1st of March, and then they get back in shape. And then right around April, they start coming back for their 16 or however many weeks it is now. But to answer your question, yes, Paul, every one of them is, is individualized um, because, you know, there's some fat guys and some skinny guys. <laughs> yes, <laughs> so, there are. <laughs> you know, so so the fat guys need to be, behave themselves. The skinny guys need to, to, you know, they need to bulk up a little bit. So um, and then all the other guys have to maintain. But they're pretty basic exercises in the offseason until you get to the facility and start the offseason workout program then they are very very specific on certain days that you do there you work out four days okay four out of the five days um and you can pick whatever days you want there's certain times when you run there's certain times when you lift mm-hmm. and um, a lot of guys get their workouts in monday through thursday and then thursday afternoon they're out of there um, and then they have Friday, Saturday, and they come back on Sunday, and then they usually will start their workouts again on Monday, or or they'll go Friday, and then they'll miss Monday. So it's, you have you, you know a lot of guys have off season workout bonuses, and that requires like ninety percent uh, attendance. So these guys have to come back, and they have to go to every one of these workouts. But they are they are individualized, and by the way, they're also individualized because of age. 
I mean, listen, when I was in my 40s, I wasn't doing the same thing that the other guys were doing in their 20s. Trust me. (laughs) (laughs) I I can promise you that. By the way, the NFL's off-season program, according to the original calendar, is supposed to end on June 26th. And then players were supposed to be off until they came back to training camp at the end of July. Yeah. We yeah, just about, don't know exactly what's going to happen with that calendar right now because of the yeah. pandemic. And I will uh, tell you this, Paul, and you know this, um, the coaches and the organizations always cringe for those five weeks when the, after June 29th mm-hmm. to the training camp start because, you know, the guys get a lot of time. And um, you're kind of seeing that league-wide right now with all the time on these guys' hand hands and who they're hanging out with and who they're running around with and that's why teams want players around they want structure they want these guys back in the facility meeting with their coaches and working out and doing things and and meeting with their with their teammates because they want them on a strict schedule that doesn't have them tempted to do stupid stuff right and um (laughs) that's why they cringe those five weeks Let's get back to the calls at 973-667-1960. Once again, folks, I want to make sure you guys understand a couple of things. Number one, we have no video during this pandemic. We are so grateful that we have the technology to bring this show back live to you guys so that you can call us up. We've got the new phone number. Again, 973-667-1960. We are not going to have video so you're getting the big blue kickoff live logo on your computer screen or on your phone app but that doesn't mean you can't listen to us the shows will be archived every day so you can still listen to us as a podcast later on in the afternoon that's perfectly cool and um, you know we're just going to do what we can understand that the number does not have multiple lines in it so if you get a busy signal please by all means keep trying Uh, We do have a lot of fans who want to get through, and we appreciate every one of you guys for giving the effort to be part of our program. With that, we go to John's favorite caller, and maybe Lance's too, even though he doesn't want to admit it. And I know he's certainly Jeff's favorite caller. Charlie from Portland, Maine. Hello. Hey, Paul. I must be yours, right, Paul? Well, you know, I got to confess, I got a few favorite callers, Charlie, but you'd, you'd certainly be up there. All right, Charlie, yeah. you must have a speed dialer at home because there's always a busy signal. You just like crank. The, you're the one no, guy that w- used to win all of those contests on the radio when people have to call right. all the time. I have megaphones. I have a whole bunch of them, and I just <laughs> dial a hundred of them, and I get through. <laughs> hey, no, Paul. His yes. name is Mister is Mister Clown. That that's my name for him, Mister Clown. So oh. so so you would not have <laughs> signed Jadavion for the outlandish fee that he was demanding. No, no, I wouldn't. Not for that amount of money, no. you got to have somebody who's going to be on the field, and you can't trust them, you know? So, um, Yeah, but, you know, William, in his mind, he was justified in hoping to get a minimum of $20 million a year. And, I know. You know, I don't I, – his. you know, look, I get it. When, when he played, he did He's have – He's disruptive. He, he, did, he disruptive. did have a disruptive uh, uh, ability yeah. – to do things to opposing offenses. And he did have an intimidation factor that was involved. But you know what? Uh, you really prefer to pay the Benjamins to guys who have the actual production itself. Right. And he didn't have right. enough production. Right. And the thing is, he, Seattle's a good fit for him. That With Carroll there as coach, he mm-hmm. could stay there. That's a good spot for him to be. You know, I, I agree. I think... I think he'll end up there anyway. Hey, I got one thing too. I, I, I you know, I was reading a, a tweet. You know, I guess Daniel Jones was talking to somebody, and 
Uh, they asked him about Baker, and it was just, you know, I can't say anything, blah, blah, blah. Why can't anybody be a human being? Why couldn't he just say, hey, he's my teammate, I wish him well, and I hope if everything works out, we'll see him soon. Why can't that be, uh, like, a little bit of humanity instead of the Patriot way or saying, like, nothing? No, no, no humanity. What would be wrong with that? Well, part of yeah. the problem, Charlie, a, and and I'm not going player. to speak. I won't speak for anybody else except myself. This is this is okay. this is me now. I'm, I, I, let's make this very clear. I'm not going to speak for any of my co-workers or anybody uh, involved with the organization, other than to say this: in my opinion, what you have today is an inflaming media that can't wait to take anything you say out of context and make it clickbait and make it a headline. So anybody who says anything about any topic is immediately going to be subjected to, well, you know what? You probably should have said no comment because it would have been a much safer thing to do after what the media just twisted it into. This is the life and and the the society that we live in, Charlie, and Mm -hmm. I will never blame anybody to say if they want to say no comment when they are asked by media in this day and age. To me, that is the smartest, safest thing and most logical thing to do. And I'm sorry it's got to be that way because the way you presented it is obviously the way you'd like to have it. And it was that way years ago. But the media will not let you do that today. They will turn it into a firestorm and some type of clickbait. Yeah. Jeff, what, what do you think? You're, you're, you were I, a player. I just, and it's- I just feel, I feel like the game has changed so much, Charlie. I mean, you would hear comments like this years and years ago. But, you know, these guys are schooled now from day one, not only from where the, you know, being with the Giants, but when they're in college, they learn. They learn what to say and what not to say. And someone like Daniel Jones is not going to put himself in, in harm's way by coming out. And, and even if it's harmless. He's still just not going to say anything, and I know that we all hate to hear it, but it's just the way the nature of the beast. It's just the way it's going to be. So, I, listen, well, I, 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 hope, I don't think you can get in any trouble yeah. by saying nothing. That's the well, easiest hope, way to I, avoid I, it. I hope they reach out, you know, privately to him at least and say that. Well, you know, I hope they I, do listen, that. I got to believe. I got to believe as a leader of this team, and Daniel Jones certainly is one of those. Um, I would, I would doubt highly that he did not talk to to him as a support. You know, um, and all the stuff that we read about this, you know, nobody knows what's true and what's not true anymore. It's just amazing right. what's happening in this world with people when they're getting in trouble. Um, so and, until until things, you know, sort themselves out um, privately, I would guess, Charlie, that they are having discussions. I don't know that for sure, but I, I wouldn't doubt it. But uh, thanks for the call, Charlie. Be well, and I'm sure we'll hear from you again. 973-667-1960 is our phone number here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. Our lines are open once again. Again, Giants.com slash podcast slash BBK questions is a place where you can also reach out to us. Hashtag Giants chat on Twitter. And, of course, I am at Giants WFAN, and he is at Jay Fiegels. Um, Do want to go to a question that was posed to us by phil in trenton jeff says guys i just wanted to give my two cents love the fortification of the offensive line that was done in the draft i guess fans will always find something to criticize but we literally had no right tackle and just took a look at the defensive uh, look at the defensive fronts in our division 
Offensive line has to be a strength, uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, excited to see about Coach Patrick Graham and what the staff can do. Remember, as John saying on the show before the Dolphins game, they're very well coached. Uh, thinks the Giants will be much more competitive and a team that will make less mental errors mm-hmm. uh, the way that uh, Gettleman and Judge want it, and he uh, certainly supports both the GM and the head coach. We've said it before. If you look at look at the landscape that Joe Judge is putting out there, he's signing or drafting very smart players, guys that want to play football, guys that are versatile. So that all leads to being disciplined and being prepared on game day. And so that the answer his that his comment is true. I think that it's it's well taken. I think this team will be better disciplined. They will be better prepared, and they're going to win some games that they're not supposed to because of it, which would be a good thing. All right. Luke wants to know from the BBK folks, can we trade for Anthony Harris? Well, number one, I think the Giants kind of solidified their safety spot with what they did in the draft. So I don't necessarily believe that Anthony Harris would be on their radar. And quite honestly, you know, I don't even know what the Vikings asking price is for him. This is a guy who, you know, has spent five years in the league and been a darn good player. But uh, I don't know what their trade conversations are like in terms of what the Vikings have tried to do and what they're looking for to get him return. You know, Paul, it's funny. John and I talked about this yesterday about, you know, some of the some of the still the needs and free agency at each position on the Giants. And we went down the list and we, we, we found it rather difficult to try to find other than the edge rusher uh, a position that may need um, a player or two. And I came up with the safety position as being one of them uh, that you might see in addition of a veteran player. But I, in this situation, I don't think they would ever trade for a guy like this because I think the guys that they have now they're happy with. Um, but my point is that Jabril Peppers is coming off of an injury and Julian Love is very raw and you have some younger players there. So maybe a veteran safety might just be, you know, if there is one in, in free agency that the Giants could sign for, um, you know, a pretty good deal that I still think that there may be a need to have a veteran guy there come in. So but it wouldn't be it wouldn't be Harris. No, no well, way. No, because this is a guy who is an obviously a yes. high level starter in the league. You're talking right. about. Somebody who would come in, somebody like a Michael Thomas, let's say. Not, I mean, obviously a Pro Bowl special teams guy, but somebody like him in that a veteran who would be a potential safety net if you needed him to play. 100%. That's exactly what I'm saying. Yep. 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 All right. Let's go back to uh, the Twitter questions for just a second. Let's, oh, we know we do have a, a caller on the line, and it's another one of our regulars. It is Len in Columbia, Maryland. Good Len. morning, Len. Hey, guys. How you doing? We're good. great. How are you? Okay, good, good. I'll, I'll try to make it quick because this will, this will be two days in a row that I've been on. But, Jeff, just to, just to follow up to my question yesterday that I asked you guys about Golden and try to get Paul's opinion on this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the question was framed, uh, Paul, like this. I said, what, you know, it was like Linville Joseph. What, what didn't Golden do last year? Uh, what, why isn't he under a firm contract? I mean, would 14 sacks have made a difference? 12 sacks? Len, I think the rest of the league is twenty-five tackles. Uh, yeah, well, the the rest of the league is in a better position to answer that than we are because yeah. Marcus Golden is the only double-digit sack player from last season who registered more than seventy tackles. So, I mean, 
what more credentials do you need? Yeah, I know, I know. That that's the point. I mean, what you know, you get back to again. You know, when we were trying to get Linville back, and and he finally went somewhere else. You know, I asked the same question. What the heck didn't Linville do? But I mean, it seems to me that it really wasn't a one-year prove-it contract. It was just a one-year contract. Um, and uh, and I think I think pointing to the rest of the league, Paul, is, is is really a good idea because I think the Giants are aware of what other teams think of Marcus. Now I don't know, maybe it's his age. How, is is he? How old is Marcus? No, 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 no. Mar- Marcus Golden's only been in the league for five years, right? Okay. Well, what, uh, yeah. Okay. How, just, how, how could you know, that I'm be an issue? I'm groping to try to figure out why this guy isn't. Uh, firmly in our camp now it's it's leading in that direction i mean let's face it he's it's probably going to wind up the way things are going unless we get down to the last 24 hours and all of a sudden people start throwing money at him and that that could happen too and then the giants will be in a position you know to decide whether they want to up it or you know or not but it's it's frustrating to see a guy like that on a one-year contract producing and then you say to yourself, well, what would have made the difference? Uh, you know? Well, you know, here's the problem, Len. I, I, the question is valid for the rest of the NFL, but for the Giants, it's a different question because you had a change in defensive coordinators. You exactly. had Betcher from the Cardinals who wanted to give Golden a chance from his time with the Cardinals, understanding the injury he went through, yeah, good understanding point. how good he was at one time. Yeah. That was a match. Yeah. So now you get Patrick Graham in here, and he remembers that Fackrell had double-digit sacks when he was a linebacker's coach in Green Bay. Yeah. Sometimes in this league, you yeah, get guys yeah. who change addresses just because they're a match with a previous relationship. Yeah, yeah, and maybe also, guys, you know, uh, you know, eventually you have to say to yourself, and I think I, I think Jeff alluded to this yesterday when we talked. Uh, you, you know, you got X Men and you got Carter. You spent a lot of time, money, energy getting this guy ready. We thought he, they were going to be good players. I mean, you just say, hey, it's, let's let them show what they can do. I mean, we sink or swim with those guys. Um, you know, I can understand that thinking. I can understand that thinking. Hey, one, uh, one other quick point. Uh, and, Paul, I think you'll agree with me, with me on this. I hate the compensatory picks uh, idea. I, I think it should be abolished. I don't like it. The reason why I don't like it, I think it favors the better teams. I think teams are making this personnel decisions based upon what comp pick that they're, they're going to get rather than the caliber of player that they're, that, that they're dealing with. And here, here's, here's, what, here's what I would do with that system. Um, if you make the playoffs, you can't get a comp pick the next year. I, I'm, I'm pushing for parity. Um, it's, it's just for non, non-playoff teams the next year. Maybe you cut back on the, on, on, on the number of comp picks that there are. I think the max now is 32. Maybe you cut it back to 24 or whatever, 20, 21, somewhere in that, in that range. But comp picks only go. I mean, look at the Eagles this year. They had three picks in the third round, two of them were comp picks. And there were only seven comp picks altogether in the third round or six picks in the third round. I mean, these, I mean the better teams are using the comp pick system not for what it was meant, meant to be a payback for a player that you lost. Now they're making personnel decisions. Len, actually, you're 100% correct because it's been a debate now that's gone on within the league, uh, you know, uh, within behind the league's curtains now for a couple of years. People have been talking about this because it was not intended 
to no. be used as it's being used. And right. I agree with you. I think it has morphed into that. The question becomes, okay, first and foremost, can we all find out what the freaking secret formula is? <laughs> okay? Can, how yeah. about that? How about the league get the formula out from behind the curtain yeah. so that we all know exactly what it is and it's yeah. transparent? How about we start there and then figure out if the formula needs to be altered? Now, the, the Eagles made a deal, Paul. They, they traded a third-round pick for that cornerback from, from the Lions. Slay? Is it Slay? Yeah. Yeah. They never would have made that trade, Paul. They never would have made that trade. The only reason they did it, they had two comp picks at the end of the third round. Well, and I suggested that maybe the, the Leonard Williams deal might have been more difficult for Gettleman had he not known he was going to get one. Yeah, I I understand. He must have it, known the he must have known the uh, formula. Well, <laughs> I, I you know there are guys who have kind of narrowed down what they think it to be, and they've there are good educated guesses out there oh, from a yeah. number of these experts who kind of think they know what you're going to get. Yeah. The problem is, if if you're not going to try to use the rules to your advantage, then you're not doing your job. Well, there you go. There you go. So, you know, it's like this. It's it, it's like this new roster limit. You know, when can it be 55 and 53? When are you taking advantage of the system? The Patriots and Belichick will figure out a way to take advantage of that system. <laughs> really? Okay. <laughs> I guarantee you. Hey, guys, thanks, thanks for taking my call. Have, have a great day. Len, thank you so much. 973-667-1960 is our number on Big Blue Kickoff Live. Um, just to remind folks, uh, we were talking about Anthony Harris, the Viking safety earlier. He was franchise-tagged. And so, you know, that makes things very, very sticky in terms of uh, the conversations that the Vikings may be having with other teams uh, about him and what his future is going to be. But the guy is tagged. So it's not as if, uh, you know, you're going to get him for, for dirt cheap if, if another team should want to make a phone call, Jeff. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, st- I mean, I, I just I, I have a feeling he's going to be back, Paul. I really do, because, you know, when you kind of set the record straight for as far as his compensatory pick. Are they doing it just because of that? But with all the players that they did sign, you're right. They're probably not going to get one. So it kind of makes me, they came out of the closet with this thing and said, Hey, we're going to throw this franchise tag, this, un, you know, what is it? The UFA free agent franchise tag. What's it called? But it's one that's it's not a tender. used. It's yeah. a tender. Yeah. But it's not very, it's not very used very often. So it tells me that they have an idea that they're probably going to maybe hopefully get this guy back. Which is okay. Unrestricted free agent tender tag, whatever. (laughs) You're right. Well, hey, I will say this, Jeff. But listen, real quickly. But at five point four million, I got to believe that the Giants are they're happy with that. They'll take that. A guy that just came off of a season with ten and a half sacks. The bigger point that Len was trying, we were talking about here, that you guys were, is that you know the scheme, the coaches. They make a big difference with the players. I mean, Marcus Golden, James Betcher had a, you know, they they played in the same system together. That's why he was here. You know, mm-hmm. so Patrick Graham, he may have, you know, in the offseason said, hey, I don't want this guy back. And Gettleman said, well, you know, what? he's actually a pretty good player. We might be able to get him back for $5 million. What do you think about that? And Patrick said, well, yeah, maybe I'll take him at 5 but I don't think he's worth 10 You know, something like that. So maybe that's yeah. why they did this. Quick question from Twitter before we go back to the phones. James C. Hill 14 says each team should control their home team pumped in crowd noise 
And what about a photoshopped or green screen cloud instead of cutouts? He's obviously talking about the things that have been bantered around in terms of if the Giants or any other NFL team is forced to play in front of a stadium of empty seats. And, you know, I, for one, we've had a a conversation about this before, Jeff. If the seats have to be empty because it allows for the safe uh, uh, competition of the players, then by all means, just make it happen. And I'm I'm not going to put any stock into any plans to fake the crowd noise or fake mannequins in the stands or cutouts or any of that stuff. Just make it safe, get the games on, and move forward. You know, just chalk it up to this is the way it's got to be. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that, you know, the NFL is cognizant of wanted to to include the fans. You know, the fans are a big part of football. Um, you know, the broadcast they've talked about, like Fox said, they they will they will put they will put you know no, crowd noise on their broadcast, which is fine, because you know watching it at home, we've all watched football games at home, and they always have that crowd noise behind, and that's kind of like synonymous with with the games, right? That you watch on TV. So I don't think it'll be a, that big of a deal. Um, watching a game on TV, other uh, than the fact that when they pan to the, some people in the in the stadium, you know, at the seats and things like that, but where you're still hearing that background noise and watching the games, it's going to be pretty real. And for the players, uh, it's going to be Jeff, extremely different. I'm gonna you you just opened up a can of worms. I have to ask you before we get to Chris from Houston, who is wow. on the phone waiting right now. Uh, so if if there is a poor officiating call, do you want Fox to pump in some booze on your speakers? <laughs> yeah, you do. No, no, that's where that's where they should. <laughs> yeah, no, they should do that. <laughs> Excuse How me. How do you think that's going to go over with the league office? I don't think it's going to happen, but uh, you know, maybe Fox ends up doing it. You know, who knows? That's uh, funny. So I, I I'll be honest with you. Empty stadiums, and I don't need any fake anything. Just let it let it happen naturally, the way it's got to happen, and we'll all just bite our tongues and live with it. Well, I and guess at least we'd have if to, we've got football, we've got football. Yeah, I, well, hundred percent, you got football. It, it counts. It's real. I think let's uh, hold judgment before we watch that first game. If it does happen, and there's no crowd noise, maybe you might say to yourself, "Well, maybe we just need a little something because it's too quiet." <laughs> all right, let's go back to the phones. Chris in Houston, you are next on Big Blue Kickoff Live. Thanks for calling. Well, thank you so much for taking my call. I feel very fortunate to get through, and I, I do appreciate it. We appreciate your effort. Yeah, thank you. Well, uh, a few thank yous. Um, from a, a personal note, I want to thank the NFL community, especially Madeline Burke, uh, my best friend that I grew up with that we still keep in touch. Uh, his name was Buddy. His name is Buddy Baker, and you guys probably heard about him. He is an agent in the NFL and both of his parents passed away six minutes apart on March 29th. And he, he, it was just all over the country. Uh, you know, they passed away because of coronavirus. And Madeline did a nice piece for uh, for SI. And, you know, I've been there for Buddy throughout the whole process. And I was actually hoping that his safety would have been drafted by us. I'll take Xavier. But uh, he represents Jeremy Chin, who's not too shabby of a player himself. Mm-hmm. Um, but. But I was very, I was very grateful for the airtime that that uh, that it got out there because obviously it hit home. Um, yeah, a very sad well, story, and and I know uh, the entire uh, sports world community certainly uh, sent condolences. Yeah, yeah, and you know, uh, two other quick points. I want to thank you guys, each and every one of you, including Lance. <laughs> I know he's not there today, but included Lance. Um, for, for well, if you look down, you'll find him. <laughs> there you are. There you are, Lance. I'll let you know what I bought. <laughs> no, but you guys, the fact that you guys in this environment, 
uh, did the recordings. It really, I know it helped everybody out. Um, I, I've listened to them every every episode I listened to, whether it was during the day or, or at night just laying in bed before going to bed because it just it just brought a little bit of normalcy, uh, temporary normalcy to my life, and I'm sure to so many other people. So i got to thank you guys for that. I really do appreciate that. Our pleasure. Um, Awfully kind hey. words. Thank you so much, yeah, and no. and I will I, and I will tell you the the response that we've received has overwhelmingly been that the fans were happy we continued the program, and credit to our broadcast department, Don Sperling, our VP uh, uh, at the Giants, and and John Schmelk, who technologically put all this stuff together so that we could actually make this thing happen sure. during the down period, because uh, you know it it would have been easy to just give up and throw your hands up and say we're not going to do anything, but but everybody really put their best foot forward to make sure we continue the program yeah they, they did a hell of a job um and and then my uh my, my one giant point and, and i know it's too early the dust has to settle on the deandre baker situation i just want to state my opinion and i'll take your comments uh off the air but uh you know my, my biggest concern with baker when you look at it from an from an optic standpoint i mean okay we traded up for him obviously we find out news that you know, recently that he probably wouldn't have been taken in the first round, but we don't know. We, we obviously don't know. But from an optics standpoint, you know, reading, reading about how there was some poor habits in college, um, how there was poor habits in, in the study room, and now hearing that the, uh, that the study room last year, we heard about him falling asleep, um, and the comment that he made after week nine that he has to get into the playbook, uh, you know, you, you would think, especially with somebody like a Joe Judge personality, you would be watching your P's and Q's. And, you know, we hear about the story, and I'm one of those, innocent until proven guilty, let everything play out. You know, hearing what, what the attorney is saying now, uh, you know, like he's playing the video games and this and that, from an optical standpoint, I take extreme pride. I, Paul, I, Paul, I've met you before at, at the games. Uh, I, I fly up. I still have my season tickets for the Giants, so I fly up several times a year. To me, the biggest pride in being a Giant fan is is how we've always operated through the years with integrity. The, the, the Josh Brown situation, as much as I wasn't a big McAdoo fan as a coach, I didn't like how it was handled, how they, they hung him out to dry. And now we got this issue uh, with, with Baker. And obviously it's going to be tough to just say goodbye to a, a first-round draft pick if he's, uh, if he's proven innocent. Obviously, if he's guilty, then the, the question will be answered uh, through, through the legal system. But, you know, I just want to get your opinions on, like, how you guys feel. You know, am I being too harsh? But the, the, the integrity of the organization, more than anything, is, uh, is most important to me. So uh, thanks again for everything. I'll take your comments off the year. I really do appreciate you guys and look forward to things getting back to normal each and every day. Take care. Appreciate the call, Chris. Thank yeah, you, thank and stay you. well. Appreciate that. Jeff, yep. there's really not a whole lot to say. Uh, you know, when you talk about specific situations, they're all fluid. They need to play out. I don't think anybody likes any sense of negativity or anything that uh, could potentially, uh, you know, interrupt a player's career, uh, regardless of the circumstances, uh, yep. or anything that interrupts uh, him going on with his life. I mean, sure. you know, unfortunately, in the real world, there are things that will occasionally happen. Yeah, and, well, you know, you just have to let them play out and see how it goes. I think we all wish that everybody could be 100% on their P's and Q's every single hour of every single day. And what do they say about the guy who throws stones at glass houses? Mm-hmm. You know, 
It's just that's life. No, yeah. nobody's perfect 100% of the time. I will tell you this: um, being a part of the organization by the Giants since 2003, I know that the New York Giants do things the right way. Um, I know they preach good habits. They preach all kinds of good stuff there. They they teach players um, about doing the right things. And like you said, Paul, uh, there's a lot of them. And, you know, it's it's tough to have every single one of them listen to them all the time. Um, I mentioned it earlier on the show today. The teams like these guys to be around the facilities because when there's time away, um, things happen. And, you know, guys have to be smarter. And so you can't police everybody. And you just hope that this all irons itself out. We hope it does. In the meantime, you just have to keep moving forward and doing the right things. And, uh, you know, type things like this, they set an example for others on the team. So when, when a situation like this comes up, the other guys on the team have to, especially the young guys, have to look at this and say, hey, you know what? Um, I'm not doing that. I'm not going to be that kind of guy. And it all goes back to all of the due diligence that you do on these players. There's so much of it, Paul. We cover the draft. You guys go to the to the combine. You understand how many interviews and and who these people talk to. Mm-hmm. You can only do so much. You know, you can and so you do your due diligence and you you put your faith in somebody and if they if they get in trouble, then you hopefully they can get out of it and learn from it and others can learn from it too. That's all you can do. That's all you can do at this point. Okay, one more caller on the line. Don from Texas, you're the final participant in today's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live. Hello. Hey, P-Dot. Hey, Jeff. How you guys doing? Good. Great. Good. How are you? Good to have you with us. Uh, doing good, guys. Thank you very much for all you do. I have one quick question. With everything going on with COVID, guys, do you see the NFL increasing their roster sizes? Because God forbid anybody comes out positive. You know, I think that is it. I was, it's funny. I was just having this conversation yesterday because I was thinking to myself, um, you know, there's most likely if people are going to get sick if it happens. You know, what happens if, if, if like six or seven guys are wiped out from this thing and, you know, you don't have a and it's the whole defensive line and they got a quarantine. So there's a lot of questions to be asked, but I think it's a great question. And to me, I think there has to be some adjustments made and maybe they will be. Maybe there will be. Maybe it will be more of um, that you can activate more of your practice squad guys, you know, or something like that. I don't know. But I think it's a good point. There's a lot of stuff that has to be sorted yeah, through, specifically really as they relate to regulating the game. And that's what you're talking about right there, Jeff. Yeah. Hey, yeah. my friend, it's been a lot of fun today. I'm so glad that we had a chance to talk to the fans again. It's uh, it's yep. always a great time when the fans are able to interact with us and, and we're able to, to be live again on Giants.com. Uh, Big Blue Kickoff Live. You can reach us every day, uh, weekday, I should say, uh, from noon to 1 Eastern Time, 973-667-1960. Jot that number down. And, of course, uh, you could always catch the show on the archive later on. And if you want to hit us up through the website, it's Giants.com slash podcasts slash questions or go to hashtag Giants chat on Twitter. Hit us up there. He is at Jay Fiegels. I am at Giants WFAN. Jeff, stay well. We'll talk to you again soon. Thank you, Paul, and thank you for everybody calling in. Everybody stay safe. That's it for today's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live. We'll talk to you next time.